All right, so we are continuing in our series, Free Indeed. Now I know some of you are like, what does, what does freedom have to do with Christmas? And I'm going to say everything. So we're, we're closing up our series, Free Indeed. We've been looking at how the gospel clearly presents uh, the truth that we can be truly free. Free indeed. And so uh, today we're talking about free to give and how God gave the greatest gift, his own son. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll, we'll look at some scripture. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this day. Thank you for all those who came. And Lord, thank you for uh, just the fun ugliness that we, we got to experience this morning. Lord, we pray that during this time we would just really learn from, from this amazing Amazing fact that your son came in, in the flesh, Lord, to live a humble life, a perfect life, the life we should have lived, Lord. It's an amazing truth. I pray that we would, we would view these scriptures reverently um, and celebratory as we look at the Christmas story today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Why do we celebrate the birth of Jesus the way we do, right? I mean, this is like the holiday, Christmas, right? It's the holiday. In fact, it's like the season. And it is because God gave the greatest gift of all. I mean, think about that. He gave his own son. And so this is the the season of, of giving, but it's not just about gifts. And it's not just about, you know, good cookies and hot cocoa and ugly sweaters. It's about what God gave to us. That is, that's amazing, and it's so important that we really give Christmas, the, the birth of Jesus Christ, the respect that it deserves. And so I want us to go to Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 1. I'll be reading in the NLT today. And um, we're going to kind of read this Christmas story here. And I believe that there's a lot we can learn from it today. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor... Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when, I should have practiced his name, but Quirinius, the governor of Syria, all returned their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth, in Galilee. He took with him Mary, whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And we know that that was a miracle of God. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in, in snugly, him snugly in strips of cloth. NLT, I love it. Uh, clothed and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Isn't that every mother's fear that they'll give birth on a road trip? <laughs> like that is that's that's scary. I'm Melissa is getting there and like we're doing a road trip to Dallas. I just feel like that baby is going to come on that road trip. <laughs> we'll have to get a new car. <laughs> Melissa does not like that joke. (laughs) Should have ran it by her. 
That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds were, went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. This is an amazing story for a number of reasons. Because it's, it's I mean, one, it's, it's filled with humility. It starts off with Mary and, and Joseph, who are, who are humble. They're, they're, they're nobodies, really. Mary's... Um, this young woman who's engaged to be married to Joseph, God miraculously um, impregnates Mary, and they're, they're giving birth now to Jesus on a road trip um, and, and on their way, and they're heading there, and they have this baby in a manger. And then not only that, God reveals his full like glory to these humble shepherds and lets them be the ones to hear about the good news. And go and, and see the good news first. It's, it's filled with humility. These aren't kings. These aren't leaders. These aren't rulers. These are the humblest of people. And God comes humbly. Think about that. that. That is crazy. That This is the king of the universe. The king of the universe. This is Jesus Christ coming in the flesh to the most humble place as a baby. I mean, Ada is really cute, but she is weak, right? Like, you look at babies, they're, like, they're weak. They, they, they can't do anything on their own. They're completely reliant, and God puts himself in that place. The most humble place to be born a humble birth among humble nobodies. So why did, why did God do this, though? You think about that? Why did God choose to do it this way because we talk about how jesus came so that he would die on a cross and and there would be the forgiveness of sins and then he would rise from the dead and then we'd have newness of life in him that's the the message of the gospel but why do we need the christmas story then why couldn't he have just shown up one day been like here i am full grown let's do this cross thing let's get it over with why did he choose to be born in a humble birth among a humble family to live 30 years humbly why did he do that? Because Christ didn't just come to die 
the death that we deserve to die, to take the punishment that we deserve. He also came to live the life that we should have lived. Sin came into the, to the world and we've all been cursed by it. And we all live lives that fall short of the glory of God. We all live lives that are undeserving. And so Jesus comes and he comes as a baby and he lives a humble life. Day to day. Living the type of life that we should have lived. Which made him a worthy sacrifice. So that when he did go to the cross, he was a worthy sacrifice. He was the lamb without blemish. He was worthy. And I think it's important that we really see that Jesus didn't just die for us. He lived for us. He was humble for us. He did everything we should have done. This was the greatest gift. This is the king of the universe coming and living a humble life. You think about like, you know, you hear people, I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to move to Africa. And it's this huge sacrifice. But think of the king of the universe giving up everything, coming to earth. That's the biggest sacrifice. That is a huge, huge sacrifice. And he does it to give to us his own son, to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death we should have died, to take the punishment that we deserved. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond to the Christmas story? It's to give back. I have several scriptures I want to read here today, and I would ask you guys to just meditate on these for a moment. Think about the importance of these. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. He bought you with a high price. You do not belong to yourself. That's humbling. You do not belong to yourself. How many of you are excited about this verse right now? I don't belong to myself. Romans 12.1 And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. To give our bodies, our whole lives, everything is a sacrifice. A holy sacrifice. This is what He finds acceptable. Ephesians 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with, his, with love, Follow the, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I'm trying not to wear my glasses and just bump up the font, but it's not going that well. <laughs> uh, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. What do we do in return? We give our lives to Him. This is the acceptable gift. We're going to give back to God. The acceptable gift is everything. Because He gave everything. And so how do, how do we give our whole life to Him? Well, 
you could kind of sum it up in three things. Love, time, and money or possessions. Love, time, and your possessions. I think the first one, like, we're comfortable with the idea. Like, love, okay, I get that I'm supposed to love God more than anything else, and, and everything I should do should kind of be in the love of God. Most, most of us would, would agree with that, right? We would agree with that. But our time? Our time? How do we give them all of our time? And what does that even look like? Does that mean hanging out at church all, all week? No, it doesn't. But we are to give him all of our time. And every moment, we can have a relationship with him where we're serving him just as we breathe. Think about that. Just every moment you're seeking his will. Seeking what's right, what he would have you do in this moment. And if you could be so conscious of that, just like, it would be like you're breathing. Almost even, just naturally, I'm always giving my life to God in every moment. And then, we get a little even more uncomfortable with this one, money and stuff. Right? I just put money and stuff. I put money in there, not just possessions, because money and stuff. Like, how do we give God all of our money and all of our stuff? How do we do that? Should I just sell everything and give it to Austin Chapel? Yes. <laughs> you want to I mean <laughs> God is clear that we're supposed to give financially we're supposed to use the things that we have our homes our cars our, our, our all of our things for his glory and bless others with it Melissa is, is really good at reminding me of this like she's always like it's not our home it's not our car <laughs> it's not our stuff and so if we can bless anybody with any of these things then we will do that You guys watch The Office? No? How many of you judge me for watching The Office? Ernesto and I have definitely bonded over our love for The Office and Bigfoot. <laughs> We're just like brothers from different mothers. Because <laughs> we love The Office and Bigfoot. But, okay, so in, there's a scene where, where Dwight is trying to get everybody to owe him one. Right? And so he, he brings bagels. And then Andy's like... Don't, you know, test my politeness. I will always return gifts. Like, if you give me something, write back. And there's this thing where they're just going back and forth. It's just so awkward. Because they're just trying to, like, give each other, like, oh, your tie is crooked. Let me fix it for you. And it's ridiculous. And Andy has this, this idea in his mind that if somebody gives you something, you should return the favor as soon as you can. He calls it politeness. He's a gentleman. This is what he does. God gave us everything. And he gives us the choice to give it back. Love, time, and money, it's not even ours to begin with. It's his. But he still gives us the option on how we use it, how we spend it. So what does it mean to live, to live a life given to God? What does it mean to give your life completely to God? Let me ask you, have you given your life to Christ? Like, not just a, just a prayer, but have you given Him your life? 
Has there been a transaction, a holy An eternal transaction where you say, all of me is yours. Not just simply a statement of belief, but a a spiritual transaction. Have you done that? Have you really? Have you surrendered all, laid your desires, needs, and wants at His feet? Do you have reluctancy to this? Does your heart resist this extent of generosity? Is there? Is there some resistance? Let me ask, is it, is it because you hold to what is yours a little too dearly? But it wasn't even ours to begin with, was it? It wasn't, wasn't even ours to begin with. Listen, the same God who so lovingly gave His Son, who sacrificially took our place... He's the same God who created all and sustains all. He created all. He sustains all. He's the almighty king of the universe who sacrificially took our place and gave all to us. If we believe the Holy Scriptures, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the same God. The one who gave all to us is the same God who created all. So it's his to begin with. Are you with me here? He gave his own life as a complete, perfect, satisfactory sacrifice on the behalf of you and I. So again, what is the appropriate response to this, church? What is the appropriate response to God giving his life for us? It's for us to give our lives to him. I was thinking about this, and I feel like in Christianity, sometimes... We view this transaction with God. How much of my life should I give Him? How much of my time should I give Him? As if it were a tax plan in a democracy setting, deciding what is the appropriate response. How much should we give Him? Or as if we're bargaining with a used car salesman about what the appropriate amount is for this gift. How should we return? What should be the transaction? But instead, we should submit to him as the sovereign king who is Lord and has dominion over all, who rules over all. He gave us free will. And when we turned our backs on him, he came and he dies in our place. He gives us free will. We turn on our backs on him. We live lives we shouldn't live. And he comes and takes our penalty instead. Instead of giving us what we deserve. He lives the life we should have lived. He dies the death we should have died. And he raises from the dead. He conquers sin and death. And he offers us newness of life. He just keeps giving. He just keeps giving. He creates us. He gives us free will. We turn our backs on him. He steps in and saves us. We keep turning our backs on him. He keeps giving us grace and strength and more mercy and more And he gives us eternal life if we accept Jesus Christ. But he just keeps giving more and more. And that Corinthians verse says that he paid the high price. It's the highest price. His own life. His own son. But it, but it said that he purchased us with that price. Jesus paying a price means that he purchased us. 
purchased us, but he doesn't take all of our love, time, and possessions by force. Even though he purchased us. Even though it was his to begin with. He doesn't take it by force. He has the right to. He could step in and go, I'm going to clear out your bank account. I'm going to take your house. I'm going to take your car. I'm going to take your life. He could. It's his. And he gave you free will, but then he stepped in with the cross and purchased you again. And it's his again. But instead, he lets us respond to his love with love. He lets us respond willingly to his grace and mercy. He lets us give ourselves as a response to his sacrifice. So can I ask you guys again? Have you given your life to Christ? Truly. Have you given him all of yourself? That's a hard question. I believe that many or maybe all of you have faith, but have you truly surrendered all to Christ? Truly surrendered all to Christ. All of your love, all of your time, and all of your possessions. Not as an obligation, but as a response to all he has done for you. Have you done that? How do we do that? Where do we start? I feel like when we talk about these things, there can be some resistance. And if there is, it's because we don't truly understand that giving them all is still the best possible life for us. It's better to give than to receive. And we're worried, like, if I give him everything, what, what will he do? What will he ask me to do? What will he lead me to do? What he's going to lead you into is a life filled with joy, with peace, a life with purpose. And I really believe that you can't outgive God. The more that you give to him, the more he gives back to you. Because we see that every time, like, when he should have just punished us, when he, when he should do these things, he keeps stepping in, he keeps giving. Even after, he, he, gives, he gives his own son. And then we, like Peter, start to run, or we, we start to deny, or we start to flee, and he keeps chasing us down, and he keeps giving us more, and, and trying to draw us in. He never stops. His love is just flowing, and flowing, and flowing. And so when you start to respond to that love, and you go, Lord, I'll sacrifice a little bit here for you. I'll step in, and, and I'll do this for you. He gives more to you. I really believe you can't outgive God in love, you can't get, outgive God in time, and you can't outgive God with money or your possessions. I know that when I start to love God more and I, I give Him more of my heart, my life is just filled with more love. A 
When I give him more of my time, God frees up more of my time to give him more of my time. I really, like, really, like, I put the things of God first, and God, like, clears things out of my schedule so I can give him more time. It's amazing. When I give God more financially, I receive more financially. I mean, I've noticed that in my life. Continuously. And when I'm like, oh, it's tight. I don't know. I don't know if I can tie this month. I do anyways. God takes care of my needs, oftentimes above and beyond what I expect. You cannot outgive God. Do you actually believe that? So we give. What's, what's crazy? We give out of response for what he's already given to us. But let me tell you, you can also give knowing that he's going to just keep giving to you. Isn't that insane? And, and I, I really wish that our motives were so pure that it was just because we were so grateful for the cross. We we're so grateful for, for his humble life that we should have lived, that we just give him all. But what I've noticed with oftentimes as people test God, they go, okay, I'll give you a little. And then they see how wonderful it is, how much God blesses them, and they give more and more and more. It's because you can't outgive God. So let me say, let me challenge you. Kiddos, it's a season of giving, right? It's all about giving, but it's also kind of all about what? Getting presents, right? I want to challenge you, you kids, like, this year, give some of your toys away and just see what God will do. Make a sacrifice. Give some of your allowance away. Show the adults how a giving life should be lived. Let them learn from you because Jesus said that children have the ability to have the strongest faith. And then he actually challenges us adults to be like the children in our faith. You guys have the opportunity to show these adults how it's done. I'm serious. Show them how it's done this year. If Jesus has a hold of your heart, if you give to him, you will not regret it. Let me promise you that. Ada's like, amen. (laughs) Adults, it's not our stuff. It's not our time. Everything we have is already his. When we give, we're just recognizing what's already true. And that's why in the Old Testament, God often gets so offended when the Israelites want to even give the 10%. He's like, it's all mine. Everything, I gave all of it to you, and you're not even giving me 10% back. In fact, in the Old Testament, it wasn't considered generosity unless it was over 10%. He demanded 10%. It was considered generosity when it was over. But but the American church, you know what the American church, the average giving is? 3%. Do you know what the average unbeliever gives? 3%. Not any different. Not any different. It is better to give than to receive. Let me just challenge you. Test God. Like His word is true. His promises are true. I've never given to him and regretted it. And I'm not just saying this because 
We're hoping to have a big year in 2018, and we're hoping that giving goes up. We are, okay? But give more. Like, there are so many places God would have you give. There are families in need. There are coworkers in need. There are people all around you. And if we could be a church that, yes, ties and ties well. We give well so that we can do more together. But we also would just give everywhere we see need. We could be a church, even though we're not the largest in numbers, but we could be large in the amount that we bless people. Like, I was blown away by our Christmas present. I think 240 gifts. Like, like week two, I, we're, we're like, okay, well, the, we're going to have to figure out a way for the church to cover and get to 200, right? But then, you're like, y'all showed up with gifts. Y'all are capable of this. And you know what? Like, I went to, to that store. We were, we were buying some gifts, and it ended up being really fun, you know? And we're like, we're just going to buy a few. And we bought more. And it was, it was fun. And I hope you guys experience that same thing because giving is fun. Blessing others is fun. And so how can you bless somebody this season with your love, with your time, and with your possessions? When you bless others, you're blessing God. This is what he loves to see. He loves to see it. So let's be a generous church. Let's not let the kiddos outdo us, right? But let's give, let's love, and let's pray about 2018. How can I give you more of my time, God? How can I, I love you even more? And how can I be less selfish with the things that I own? Are you guys with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every person that's here, God, that we would not take your gifts for granted that we would not abuse your grace. Lord, you gave all. Lord, you gave all in that manger. You gave all at that cross. And you showed us how to live a humble, generous, sacrificial life from the day you were born. And Lord, even now you were sacrificially giving. You were generously pouring out for us when we don't deserve it, God. Teach us to respond. Give us your spirit to empower us, Lord. Lord, that resistance in our heart, would you, would you, would you convict us of it? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.